everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengerd, founder of Wengerd Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Today, I'm continuing to talk about hope in the body. These messages all started with hope in the spirit and then hope in the soul, because, of course, the kingdom of God starts first in the spirit, is accessed by faith present in our soul, and then manifests physically in the realm of our body. The first message was called Resurrection Life, because the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the one event in all of history, which makes it possible to live victoriously in our daily lives. The second message was called The Power of Words, because that is what it takes to release the power of the resurrection life of God into the realm of our physical bodies. I've been thinking a lot lately about something that is a common theme throughout all really that the Lord has shown me. It seems like so many principles in the kingdom of God require us to hear God's voice in order for the principle to be activated. Whether it's financial stewardship or healing or prophecy or any other principle, we will get nowhere if we have not learned to hear God's voice. For this reason, I felt like I should do some teaching on this exact thing. And as I'm going through this, I thought, you know, really this is where hope in the body comes in. We have to be able to hear his voice. Even the power of words, we need to learn, the, we need to understand the power of words, but we need to understand how to hear his voice so that we are speaking in conjunction with what he says. So, how do we hear God's voice? What does he sound like? How do we know for sure that we are truly hearing from him? I'd like to start out by reading a story about Elijah in 1 Kings 19. This is uh, in verses 11 through 13, and uh, I'll just go through and read that. It's a simple story, but it describes it very clearly. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now we could go on and read the rest of the story, but I wanted you to, to hear the, the difference between the, like all of the things that you would think God's voice would be so powerful that, sure, there's going to be a strong wind, there's an earthquake, there's a fire. But these things were all just displays of the power of God. But there is a very clear distinction between God's power and God's voice. Just think of it this way. God does not need to be constantly just displaying his power if he has a relationship with us in which we hear his voice. Do you realize that most of the stories of the amazing things that happened in the Bible began with a man or a woman of God hearing the small voice of God? This also begins many times by simply asking to hear his voice. We can continue on through life just wishing we could hear his voice, or we can stop trying to accomplish things and simply ask for the still small voice. I think of Joshua 
when he led the children of Israel into the promised land. And as soon as they ran into a problem, he inquired of the Lord. You know, he had learned to do this from his, his leader, Moses. And he led that way his entire life. David was also a leader who inquired of the Lord. And he was called the man after God's own heart. Now that's a title that I'm sure we would all love to be called. But so often we're too busy to stop and inquire of the Lord. Before David was even king, he was leading his men in, in this way of asking for wisdom. And the city that they were staying in had been attacked by Amalekites, and all of their wives and children were taken captive. Now, I'm sure that the tendency would be to just run quickly into battle and try to save their families. But I want you to look at what David did. And I want, to, I want you to ask yourself, what would I have done? So let's look at 1 Samuel 30 verses 6 through 9. And uh, we'll just read the, the beginning and ending of this story. So verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, <laughs> because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Now this is God answering him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Actually, I'd like to go all the way over to verse 17 where it says, Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped, except four hundred young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Wow. How many times does it have to say, you know, God said, you will recover all. And then as it's going through and describing, it says, David recovered all. Do you realize it did not take just simply effort or, uh, you know, good training in battle that, that brought this, this victory. It was the fact that David humbled himself and asked. He inquired of the Lord. You know, and, and I want you to notice here that God did not try to keep information from him. God was waiting on David to inquire of him and to ask for direction. I'm sure God is waiting on us many times to ask him for direction. It's not that God isn't speaking. It's really we who, who aren't asking and listening for him. David had learned to hear God's voice while tending sheep as a boy and, and as a young man. And really Moses also learned to hear God's voice while tending sheep in the wilderness. He had been humbled in Egypt when he tried to save the Israelites on his own power. But he ran away, and after years and years in the wilderness, he was able to lead the people with humility. One of the common themes in the kingdom of God is really this. It's humility. When we are humble and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus, we are much more prepared to hear his voice with clarity. We must be willing to hear anything that he speaks to us, even if it's different than what we had anticipated. So often I think we go, we go to God asking for a word to confirm something that we've already decided we want to hear from him. 
But when we're humble, when we go in simplicity and we ask, we give him the freedom to lead us clearly and really in the best way. You know, this could be a business decision. It could be about a relationship or even just a goal that we've set our heart on, on, you know, that we want to accomplish. I wonder sometimes how many people actually just go to God to hear what's on his heart. I know that I've missed this opportunity many times before. Isn't it amazing that God has such grace for us that even when we focus only on ourselves, when, you know, you, you see your own inability to connect with him simply on your own, you're, you are then prepared to see yourself as he sees you and as he has declared you to be. After humility and asking to hear his voice comes the need to see who you really are in Christ. This is a revelation of righteousness. Now, I know I've taught on this before, and I know you're, you're going to hear this more often. It comes in so many times because really the religious community has put such an emphasis on our own depravity that we've not been willing to believe that we have equal standing with Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers, and he has made us one with him and equal with him. And it's really this fact that gives us the freedom to hear his voice clearly. And actually, in Romans 10, uh, 2, 3, and 4, it says, For I bear them witness that they have a, a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Those verses really speak it clearly. They say that when we try to establish our own, our own righteousness, we, we get in the way. And even in verse 3, it says, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Notice the, the humility here. It requires submission to the righteousness of God. Do you see here that true humility is to submit to the truth that the death and resurrection of Jesus has given you the very righteousness of God? This is not a righteous just covering of sins or even something given to us to appease the wrath of God. This is the exact righteousness and perfection of God himself given to you because of Jesus and what he did on the cross, the resurrection of Jesus. You must understand that you have been created in the image of God for the purpose of hearing the voice of God. He is made so that we are to be face to face with him, face to face, so that we can hear his voice and he can hear our voice and we can communicate. He is not somewhere off in another place. He makes so that he looks us in the face and we are to hear his voice that way. Even last time I mentioned Romans 10 verses 8, 9, and 10 where it says, The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. These verses, they state very clearly that the word of faith is in your own mouth. Many times you can hear the voice of God by what he speaks to others through you. Now, I know this is a different way of, of looking at it possibly than, than what you've thought of in the past, but isn't it amazing that we can see and hear clearly for other people, but we still, we have a hard time seeing and hearing for ourselves. There are also times that you find yourself in prayer that you'll, 
receive a word of direction that comes right, just right out of your own mouth and it's a direction for you. When we were developing the, the theme of these broadcasts, I woke up in the morning when my alarm rang and, and I walked out into the kitchen area of our house. I had not even had a single thought come into my mind because I had just woke up, really that same minute. I don't spend a lot of time, I just woke up and walked out into the kitchen. And out of my own mouth came these words, delivering hope to every heart. I spoke it out loud. And I, I realized immediately that God had just spoken something through my own mouth. It was not a premeditated phrase. We had never talked about it before. I had not, I had not even been thinking about that consciously because I'd been asleep. I wasn't thinking about Wangard Ministries, I wasn't thinking about things like that, and that is the phrase that came right out of my own mouth. And really, you know, if, if I look at it, I had asked the day before that God would give me more clarity and direction for how he wants to use Wangard Ministries in greater ways. I had surrendered to anything that he would say, and he chose to answer out of my own mouth. This is also a reason that, you know, we take the time to pray in the Spirit, we pray, if you have a prayer language, this is the, the purpose of it. It prepares your own heart to be able to hear. But it doesn't allow your logical brain to get in and, and try to analyze everything. It just allows the freedom to speak purely, and then understanding begins to come to you, and you say, how do I have that understanding? It's because you were willing to open your mouth and speak in the, in the, the language of God, the, the actual words of God and what he wanted to tell you. So again, what does the voice of God sound like? And how can we learn to recognize him? I want to remind you that Jesus is also called the Prince of Peace. There's a deep peace and love that is present when he's speaking. I look for that and I try to follow the peace in my own heart. Another thing is that he will never contradict the word of God the Bible. Many times the word that he has spoken to me has been word for word scripture verses. Even, you know, if the example isn't quite the same as how it's used in scripture, he will sometimes use the exact wording as it was written to convey the message that he, he wants us, you know, he wants to say to us. I've also noticed that he will bring a song to my heart. And even without thinking about it earlier, I'll find myself singing a song and then I realize that is the answer to the question that I had asked him. <laughs> it happens often for me. One of the main keys to really knowing the voice of the Good Shepherd is that he will never lead by fear. God is love, and perfect love casts out fear. So he leads by peace, he leads by love, he leads by all of the fruits of the Spirit. But these are really key because we can notice when we're not in peace. We can notice when there isn't a, 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 a sense of love, the love of God. So if that's not present, if it's just worry, I promise you, it is not the voice of God. He does not worry. He does not bring worry. He does not bring fear in any way. He never leads by fear. If he, if he did, then somehow there would be a lack of love in him because perfect love casts out fear. I want to read that. 1 John 4, uh, verses 12 through 18. First John 4, 12. 
No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Wow. That is so clear because it separates out fear and love. It makes no gray area. There is no area for overlap. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. God is love. I want you to remember this. Remember these truths as you go about your day. Be listening for the voice of God because I can promise you he is trying to bring a connection to you of spirit, soul, and body where the resurrection power of the eternal life of God manifests everything you need for life and godliness into the physical realm now. This is his goal for you. It is his will for you. He is trying to get it to you. Be listening. Be thinking about these things. Be meditating on it and asking him. Ask him to hear his voice. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.